Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Dirks, alongside my friend, Dr. Bob Leonard. Dr. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great. Semi-retired. Semi-retired. Even though I did just see your tabs on Google Chrome, and there's at least 50 of them again. So you're still as busy as ever. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're sort of like bookmarks for my brain. Because otherwise, if I don't have them up there, I'm not reminded. That's a good way to put it. You, you definitely have a scatterbrain, so it probably helps to have something visual in front of you to keep you on track. I've got something visual to keep us on track, too. We've got a pretty big agenda going on today. We've got a new director of education for the state of Iowa. Also, Des Moines and central Iowa is going to be losing a meteorologist because of right-wing nut jobs. Have a little bit of cock talk. Trump obviously continues his legal troubles, and we'll take a look at the poll numbers and also talk a little bit about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., He's running as a Democrat, so we'll talk about that. We talked last week about Moms for Liberty being designated uh, an extreme group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they are in hot water again, which is par for the course for that group. We do have some good news, mainly focused around sports this week, and my top five this week is top five Denzel Washington movies. Only top five. There could be like a top dozen, right? For this week, I do have a couple OLIs, so a couple outside looking in. And really, all of them are outside looking in. It's hard to come up with a top five, but we'll try. I've done my best, and we'll see if you have any bones to pick with me. So we'll just start right off with Iowa Coast to Coast. I mentioned, got a new Department of Education director. This is from KCCI. Governor Kim Reynolds on Thursday, this is last Thursday, of course, named a new director for the state's Department of Education after the unexpected resignation of Chad Aldis. Aldis, who was named director in March, submitted his resignation recently, citing family reasons, which is kind of strange. Mackenzie Snow, presently Deputy Secretary of Education in the Commonwealth of Virginia, has been named Aldis's replacement. Her appointment is effective actually on Monday, and Aldous will stay through the end of this week to help with the transition. I mean, four days to help with the transition. He just started himself. Prior to serving as Virginia Deputy Secretary of Education over early childhood education through post-secondary pathways, Snow was confirmed and served as New Hampshire Division Director of Academics and Assessment, Special Education, Career Development, Adult Education, Wellness, and Nutrition. It's a lot of responsibilities. She also served in the federal government as a Special Assistant to the President at the White House Domestic Policy Council, Senior Advisor at the Office of Management and Budget, and Policy Director at the U.S. Department of Education. And in the classroom, Snow taught remedial courses at the University of the Free State in South Africa. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I had to include that part. That was kind of buried in their article, but I had to make sure that, yeah, her little bit of teaching experience is teaching remedial classes in South Africa. Yeah, and I don't know anything about that institution. It might be good. I don't know. Who knows? It's not America, though. I know that. Right. She does have a pretty, just mentioned, a pretty well-established background in education. She's got a pretty wide resume, but one of the Democrats that responded to her hiring mentioned that as a drawback. She's basically just a, a job hunter. She just skips from job to job to job. Um, I don't think I really care one way or the other how long she stays in Iowa. My guess is, and what I've heard, is that she's, you know, of course, straight out of the private school playbook and will yeah. do everything she can to make sure that those schools benefit from this new policy. Has she ever taught in public schools? Do you know that? No. 
Yeah, it's just... And I, I mean, the only thing that this article said was, yeah, that was the only in-class experience that she had was teaching remedial courses at the University of the Free State in South Africa. She's just, you know, it doesn't really matter who they put in. They're just, they're just going to dismantle public education. Maybe, you know, I can't believe the other guy wasn't good enough. He'd spent his whole life dismantling public education. That, I think, is the bigger story. We didn't really talk about it too much. I think we may have mentioned it on a past podcast, but it is strange for him to be in the job for maybe three months, and really before he even does anything, he's already gone, and he cites, whenever you hear somebody cite, you know, to spend more time with their family, that's not, that's not actually the reason, especially when you're, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he can't be much older than mid-40s. It's not like yeah. he's at retirement age. No. And, you know, the real difference that I see is she was in the Trump administration, which doesn't bode well for anything. So maybe she's more Trumpy than he was. So Right. Yeah, Kim is going to continue to get what she wants. So like you said, I don't think it probably matters who's actually sitting in that chair. Um, I'm sure it matters to Kim because she wants their policies to be implemented and she wants somebody strong to be able to do what she wants to do. But for you and I, I don't think it really matters. And for most people in the state, whoever's sitting in that chair is just going to do whatever Kim wants. Yeah, which is dismantling the public education system. That's what she wants. Yeah, so I don't know. I would imagine that this person would be on board with that. You mentioned that she's been in the White House. She served under Republican administration, so there's no questioning what side that she is on. So, yeah. Well, you know that maybe they think what they're doing is good. Maybe they think this is best that everybody, you know, get uh, Christian education. But we know that public schools are the foundation of our democracy. In fact, giving money to Private schools is against the Constitution of Iowa, and I actually pulled that up. I actually did some research. And hey, look at you! So here's the Constitution. Here's what it says uh, in Section 3, Religion. The General Assembly shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, nor shall any person be compelled to attend any place of worship pay tithes, taxes, or other rates for building or repairing places of worship or the maintenance of any minister or ministry. That's what private schools are. They're maintaining a ministry, and it's against the Constitution. And I looked this up because I I knew it was against the Constitution, but in Oklahoma, they're directly funding the private schools now, and and Republicans are are opposing it, saying it's some Republicans, not all of them. But um, I think the... uh, Oh, the Secretary of State maybe is opposing it because their constitution says the same thing, that you can't use taxpayer money for public schools, but for some reason we're getting out of it. They're still fighting it in Oklahoma. We'll see how it turns out. But why there hasn't been a challenge, I don't know. Something vaguely makes me think there was a challenge years ago and it didn't go well. But Right. Well, yeah, I did some research when they were passing this law And the Supreme Court had ruled previously, not exactly sure which state. I think it might have been Oklahoma or some sort of plain state. Regardless, the Supreme Court said that it was legal because they weren't all Catholic or all Christian schools. So you're giving the money and a kid could go to a non-denominational or 
you know, it wouldn't have to go to a Christian school. I know in practicality that's exactly what happens, but that's how they'll they get rationalize that. Yeah. anything that they want. They'll rationalize that there's like 186 private schools in the state of one na- one sort or another. You know, all the different grade levels, and like six are not exactly. Christian. Right. I mean, so that's their way around it. They get around everything with some kind of lie or misrepresentation or end run. Right. Even though the vast majority in almost every case, that money is going to some church. Exactly. And maintaining a house of worship, which is what a Christian school is, a house of worship. Right. And then there's also, you know, given some of the tenets of some of the religions, it's also... You know, counterfactual, anti-science. Yeah, it's just bad. Right. And you said right off the top, I mean, public schools, America's public schools have been, Reagan always talked about the city on a hill. That's the city on the hill. That's been what the world has been chasing since we established our public school system. And Iowa, along with a lot of other states, are trying to dismantle that for their own gain. Not to help kids, but... For ideological gains, power, and money. Yep. Moving on to other Iowa local news. This is from the Des Moines Register. KCCI's chief meteorologist, Chris Gloninger, is departing the station due in part to past threats, he said, stemmed from his coverage of climate change. Gloninger announced the news on Twitter in a statement Wednesday and said he will soon be saying goodbye to the local CBS station. On the 6 p.m. newscast, Gloninger said his last day will be July 7th, and he said in a statement, 18 years, seven stations, five states, I am bidding farewell to TV to embark on a new journey dedicated to helping solve the climate crisis. After a death threat stemming from his climate coverage last year and resulting PTSD, in addition to family health issues, I've decided to begin this journey now. On July 16th, 2022, Gloninger wrote on Twitter, quote, My climate coverage has garnered negative feedback, but last month I received the first threat, followed by a flow of harassing emails. Police are investigating. It's mentally exhausting, and at times I have not been okay. If you're facing this and need someone to talk to, I'm here, end quote. In September 2022, a Lennox man was fined $105 for harassing the meteorologist in a series of emails. The emails lasted for several weeks and included threatening language and swear words, quote, You are a worthless Biden puppet, a liar, a conspiracy theorist, and an idiot. You give Iowa a bad name. Go home, B-word, end quote. And that was according to court documents, so that was one of the emails that he was charged with. Gloninger said that leaving television is an opportunity to focus full-time on climate change, a personal passion. Yeah, and you know what? I guess I can't blame them, but all the TV stations, most of the radio stations all leave comments open. And there's all kinds of hatred in the comments, especially for KCCI. Right. Why they let those happen, I guess there's some algorithm that maybe they get more money out of it, but just those, the comments are disgusting. And they just sit there. And why they do it, I don't know. But I know they try to monitor it, but just shut them down. Right. I do know that there's been, in fact, just recently, within the last couple of days, profootballtalk.com, which is owned by NBC Sports, they turned off their comments on all of their articles, not on social media necessarily, but you can comment on their page and you can no longer do that. 
even Barstool Sports a while ago. I think they've since turned them back on, but even Barstool Sports turned off comments on their articles. And of course, his email address, I'm sure, is on every newscast. I'm sure it's available on the website. And who knows if that's something that will stick around much longer. Well, and it, it makes sense to have an, an email address for people to give in news tips, but why does a specific meteorologist need to have a public email address? Yeah. Well, and if you get a death threat, it's very unnerving. I mean, it's if, if it comes to you, it's not an abstraction. You know, you hear, oh, death threats. But when it comes to you and it's directed at you, and I've had them at me before, and they come, and what's really scary about them, the ones that I've gotten, are that they're very long and detailed. The person has put a lot of thought in it. If it were just, you're going to die, that'd be one thing. But if there's page after page after page of reasons why you should die, that's scary. And I've gotten those sometimes. And it's, it makes you sick to your stomach. Um, I was going on CNN once, one Sunday morning. And I'm, you know, I'm used to two or three messages at most on Twitter. But I looked at Twitter that morning and CNN had referenced that I was going to be on with whoever else. And the hatred and the vitriol. And, and I'm, I'm looking, you have 100 notifications. I thought, 100 notifications? How can I have 100 notifications? I looked at it and then it says... You have a hundred notifications that still had another hundred, another hundred, another hundred, and some of them were, you know, just nice little things, yeah. but a lot of them were just violent. Just made it made me sick to my stomach. And so, just imagine what people, you know, at the networks go through yeah. and at CNN, and just every day, and it is exhausting, and you're sick of it, and you come close to losing your faith in humanity. It's it's just. I find it hard to believe that it happens because nobody I know would do that in person. But it's being anonymous yeah. lets people brings out the absolute worst in people. But then there's a whole role model of Trump doing the very worst, and then it's percolated down to our legislature. You know, Todd Dorman he does a great job at the uh, um, at the Gazette. We had a legislator trolling him. We had Pat Garrett. Oh, continues Shipley? Are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, he continued. Just the other day I saw them. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's so juvenile. It is. But Donald Trump gave them this permission structure. Right. And it's just, and so it's okay. It's not. It's middle school. It's, yeah, it's just it's sickening. And the, and the example that they're setting. But, you know, Dorman does a great job. He will rise above it. But I guess I, I don't want to be too negative, but it's like, if you haven't gotten them, you don't know the pain they cause. And so we just need to be a little kinder to each other. It is scary, too, because it's almost like they're getting what they want. I'm not blaming this meteorologist for doing what he's doing, but I'm sure a lot of people of that ilk that would send in death threats or at least comment on climate change comments or articles from local meteorologists are saying, hey, we got this guy out. Who's yep. the next one? And so the purpose is disruption. Right. Just to, to have people lose faith. Right. So just to always be throwing crap against the wall about destruction right. and undermine society, the institutions. It just sucks that this guy is chosen to... I mean, he said he's been doing this for a long time. He's been going to different states to pursue his career, get to the top in his career. He was the chief meteorologist 
of KCCI, the biggest news station in the state of Iowa. And yeah, now he's moving on. So we're losing somebody with a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge because a few jackasses didn't want to believe the truth. Well, and the fact is they probably know the truth. They just want to undermine it. Right. That's probably it. But I don't know. You know, I can't say what he should do, you know, but sometimes I'm not in his position. I don't know the nature of the threats. But sometimes you just have to stand up to it. Right. Like Dorman is. Right. Yeah. More power to Dorman. Absolutely. Let's get on to some cock talk. So we had seen the transcripts of him talking with a book writer and a member of his staff discussing the classified documents, but it was made public on Monday, the actual audio tapes. Have you had a chance to listen to yes, that Yes, I've listened. A lot of people saying a lot of different things, but this is, this is a smoking gun. Well, there's so many smoking guns. I mean, it's just... Well, that's the thing, too. We thought... Somebody made a joke about how, you know, I've got this audio tape of Donald Trump and this is going to completely derail his presidential campaign. And obviously that's from 2016, (laughs) you know, his tape on the Access Hollywood grabbing by the P word. So we've been through this before. We'll get to his polling numbers here in a bit. But well, and Trump will say whatever he say it it proves it exonerated him. It doesn't. He can say (laughs) the sky is green. And it's not. And people would believe him. Well, and he's also an idiot because when he talks about exoneration, he's also talking about how this specific audio tape that I heard was talking about how General Milley had talked through the press about how Trump was basically unhinged since he'd lost the election and he might try to attack Iran or another country just because he's crazy and lost it. So he was talking in this tape about how, well, General Milley is the one that actually came up with these plans and he presented them to me. And so he's talking about exoneration when it's like nobody even gives a shit about that, man. You didn't attack Iran. So why are you even worried about that at all? Yeah, well, nothing makes any sense. <laughs> I mean, in the, I keep thinking how, my, how come all these people can do have be so loyal to Trump and um, and have any integrity at all. And I think they are just have to be operating in a whole nother... Well, I mean, there's the cynics like the Bannons and the Millers and stuff that know they're wrong and they're manipulating things. But the regular people, I'm just thinking that they're working under some other alternative worldview that makes them think that they're right. And... I just, I don't understand how it happens, but when the whole media world that they watch, Fox, is constantly defending him. And, and you know, mo- everything in life, all of our communication about anything that happened is essentially a rumor. You know, you can say all kinds of things, and if I don't trust you as a source, it's sort of a rumor. If I didn't see it happen... Mm-hmm. It's a rumor or it's, you know, it's an assertion and you tend to follow the people that you trust into into these terrible, terrible positions because you have no access to the truth. And then you 
wind up at the other end when you finally realize the truth, what a grand mistake you made. Right. Well, yeah, there's plenty of people that have gone down those rabbit holes, started off as a Rush Limbaugh or Fox News listener or watcher, and then end up being a conspiracy theorist. And there's a lot of people that have gotten out the other side and, like you said, realized how just how foolish they were for believing those people. Yeah, and what's interesting is some of these people are real smart. People say, well, they're stupid. They're believing in this conspiracy theory. No, you're smart because you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. where a lot of people aren't even thinking about it. And mm-hmm. so, but they have no frame of reference to reject it because everybody that they trust is telling them it's true. Right. And so they, to, to break out of that, you know, binding of the media that you're, that is doing the misrepresentation is, is hard. Yeah. And it's also like the sunken cost fallacy too, where it's like, I've believed this for however long to break that cycle is almost impossible. You have to have somebody else that you really, really trust, whether it's a family member or a friend say, dude, I don't think you should be watching this. This is making you crazy. And even then, it probably is not going to work. I mentioned poll numbers. We brought up uh, two weeks ago, two podcasts ago. And again, this is from 538.com. Trump led the Republican nomination field at 54.7%. DeSantis was polling at 21.5%. And both Mike Pence and Nikki Haley were polling around 5%. I just checked this morning. Trump has gone down a little bit, about two percentage points. So he went from 547 to 52.5%. DeSantis also went down a little bit, which is kind of strange. DeSantis went from 21.5 to 21.3. Pence and Haley are both right around 5%. Pence is at 5.8%, and Haley is at 4.1%. So it makes me wonder, too, where are those Trump and DeSantis voters going? Yeah, I don't know. And if it's a national poll, it's irrelevant. Right. And these are just the average national polls. It doesn't matter. The only reason I bring it up was just to follow along with this legal problem stuff and whether or not it will actually affect Trump or not. And it's hard to isolate whether that's the reason why somebody would choose somebody else. But I think it is worth pointing out that two weeks ago, before the indictment or right around the indictment, so then the news then came out. So he is coming down a little bit, but DeSantis is not getting those voters, which is what you would think he is trying to do. DeSantis has some self-inflicted wounds, and the media doesn't like him. Yeah. It's almost like the... I was like five years old at the time, but it's almost like the Michael Dukakis treatment, where it's they're just waiting to make fun of him for whatever gaffe that he has, and some of that is self-inflicted, but then even if things happen that are out of his control, it's already the narrative that he's sort of a bumbling moron. Plus, even his legal issues in Florida, uh, the Supreme Court... Was it in Florida that struck down his trans bathroom bill? I don't know if it was the Florida Supreme Court or maybe a district court, but he's having legal issues with even the laws that he's kind of running his nationwide campaign on. So he's not having the best launch to his campaign. And I am sort sort of confused that Pence is third. You would think, I mean, Tim Scott was at like 3%, so he was, you know, kind of a distant... Name recognition. Distant fifth. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I hate to even use this, but I will. It's just like, 
if you think about the top five punchable faces, <laughs> DeSantis has. And after hearing what the makeup artist said when she was doing Mike Pence's makeup, his face might just fall apart. Right. You? Yeah. <laughs> or, your, or your fist would just no, get stuck. I, yeah, <laughs> one or the other. Ted Cruz has to be in there, too. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, line those two up and have at it. Want to talk a little bit about the Democratic primary. I didn't think we would talk much at all about that during Cock Talk for the next however many months until we're through with the primary process. But Robert F. Kennedy is making some news, going on Joe Rogan's podcast, Rob Schneider open forum at some fundraiser in California. So he's running as a Democrat. And I look, this is also from 538.com. I was pretty surprised that in poll after poll, he's consistently polling around 15% in a head-to-head against Joe Biden. So that means Joe is at right around 70%. RFK has about 15% and then scattered. All people rest. know is the name RFK. Well, you name recognition, yeah. like, like Mike Pence. Yeah, and a small I'm, number of people. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still around. Obviously, you were a young boy, but Robert F. Kennedy is still a really big name in Democratic circles. So you see that name and you kind of assume, oh, that would be somebody that I'd maybe get behind. But he's a Republican. Exactly. He's a Republican. He's an anti-vaxxer. He's not going on any reputable stations. He's going, like I said, on Joe Rogan's podcast and uh, Bill Maher. I don't know if it was his podcast. I think it was his podcast or his TV show. Um, And not that, I mean, Bill Maher, used to be one of the strongest Democratic voices, but I think he's also just about as Republican as anybody. You know, he's like a 1988 Republican almost at this point. So I don't know much to add other than the fact that I'm sort of surprised that, A, he's running as a Democrat, and B, that he's getting as much support as he's getting. Well, I mean, there's lots of valid reasons for not thinking Biden is the best candidate. He's done a lot of really good things, but there is the age thing. Well, that's the thing, too. I, I had to check because RFK Jr. is 69 years old, so he's no spring He chick. looks a lot. He, he looks, looks younger. Healthy, yeah. Yes, he looks younger. Um, probably a lot of the steroids and HGH. He went viral this week because he did an incline press of 115 pounds. He lifted it like six times, and he took his shirt off to do it. Looked like it was in a prison yard. It was a very odd video. But he does have, like, enormous packs. He's got a six-pack. And I don't think any 69-year-old man is doing that without some sort of (laughs) substance. Right. Well, he should go back to doing that. He should just spend all of his time on the substance and working out. He doesn't need to be talking about any of the issues. It's not relevant. He's just totally irrelevant. I know some young people like him, but... Yeah. Well, did you know? Do you know who his campaign manager is? Dennis Kucinich. Yeah, it's crazy. Another blast from the past, where it's like Dennis Kucinich. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, he also got upset with a reporter because a reporter was continuously asking about his stance on vaccines, and Kucinich was getting really upset with the reporter, and eventually just cut them off and quit talking. But it's like, what did you expect? That's that's what he's built his brand on. When I word association, the minute I hear RFK Jr., all I think of is anti-vax. I'm old enough to remember the po- when people got polio yeah. and mumps and measles and all those nasty things that killed people in the vaccinations. I've you know a friend back then you know had polio. Lots of people had polio, 
and the vaccination. I'm a big, big believer in vaccinations. Yeah. And it's not, I'm a believer. It's the science tells right. us. Exactly. Let's take a wider scope, even though this is also, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago, or one week ago, actually, the Moms for Liberty group. They're in the news again. This is from the Indy Star. The Hamilton County, Indiana chapter of Moms for Liberty, a national organization recently listed as an extremist group by a civil rights watchdog, apologized last Thursday morning after it launched a newsletter called The Parent Brigade. It was launched on Wednesday of last week that featured a quote from Adolf Hitler on its front cover. Around 11.30 a.m. Thursday, Moms for Liberty emailed Indy Star and posted a statement on the group's Facebook page condemning Adolf Hitler and apologizing for using the quote. A new version of the front page without the quote or explanation was, lo- uh, was uploaded. Quote, we condemn Adolf Hitler's actions and his dark place in human history. The statement from chapter chairwoman Paige Miller reads, quote, we should not have quoted him in our newsletter and express our deepest apology, end quote. The original pages of the newsletter, which were posted on the group's Facebook page last Wednesday night, showed below the parent brigade's masthead a quote Hitler used at a Nazi rally in 1935, quote, He alone who owns the youth gains the future, end quote. That's a Hitler quote. Late last Wednesday night, the Indy Star initially published the story. The front page of the newsletter was updated to include what was described as context for the Hitler quote. The update says, quote, The quote from a horrific leader should put parents on alert. If the government has control over our children today, they control our country's future. We the people must be vigilant and protect children from an overreaching government, end quote. Well, you know, when I first saw that, I thought they were using the Hitler quote to project upon those they were fighting against. And so I took another context. But instead they admitted, they just thought it was okay to say Hitler. <laughs> you know, and he's a Hitler quote, and then they backpedaled. But no, I thought that was a cautionary tale when I first saw it. They were cautioning against, the, you know, against who they oppose as trying to control the youth. When you're apologizing for using a Hitler quote. Well, yeah, they should, well, tactically, if they... And this is the first newsletter, too. This isn't something that's been going on, that people are used to the context or used to what this looks like or, or what content is in this newsletter. Literally right in the upper right-hand corner, the first thing you're going to look at when you look at that newsletter is a Hitler quote. Yeah, well, I was just trying to figure out why they would do it. And I, it's just hard for me to believe that somebody is so naive to, to use Hitler as to identify with him. Right. That's what I thought they were using it to identify with their opposition. But when they apologized for using it, clearly that wasn't the case. They believed it. <laughs> right. They want to control it. They right. want to control the, the youth's minds. Right. And, it, and if you raise your kids right... You expose them to all kinds of things. You don't control their minds. You let them learn about the world around them with guidance from good people, teachers, librarians, neighbors, friends, family. Expose them to lots of different things. And then see what they grow into as as good human beings rather than controlling them. There's a lot on the right that want to control them, want their same narrow view of the world to their kids to uh, mirror their their own. I want my kids' worlds and grandkids' worlds to be bigger than mine. Yeah. You or I, if your kids grew up to be a Republican, 
It's not like you would disown them or think that they were crazy. You would have conversations with them about it, but that's antithesis of what these people right. want. Right. No, they don't want to have a conversation about that stuff. They want to, like you said, control the conversation and make sure that they don't hear opposing viewpoints. Right. And you know, and if they're old Dwight Eisenhower Republicans, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. The term Republican, I mean, the term Democrat, too. I mean, there's wide ranges of everybody, but I don't think the Republican brand right now. I mean, again, word association, when I think of Republican, I think of Trump now. Well, we should, because we have, they enabled it. Right. So we, it's all, it's all Republicans. It's not just Trump. Trump is the symptom, not the cause. Exactly. I don't blame Trump as much as I do the people that voted for him. That's... The symptom of the sickness. Well, and it's it's the enablers in Congress and the Republican Party that put out this whole charade for the you know our Republican friends, neighbors, family members that they fell under the sway of it, and so it's the it's the cynical Lindsey Graham's and Kim Reynolds and Ted people. Cruz's, yeah, those yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, especially Ted Cruz or Lindsey Graham when Trump did nothing but make fun of them for a year and now they are right by his side no matter what he does. I told you I interviewed Lindsey Graham, didn't I? Um, well, tell everybody else. Well, he was in Knoxville and he won it. He was running for president yeah. 2016, 2015, 2016. And he spoke at the VFW and it was hot. I'm sitting there interviewing him, and his lip, his upper lip, is so sweaty. It was dripping on the floor <laughs> between us during the interview. His lip is like a human aquifer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a great visual of Lindsey Graham. Just drip. You never shared that with me, no. so I'm, I'm glad you shared that publicly. I probably was traumatized. And <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it anymore. No. Uh, I think it's time for some good news, shall we? We've got some local sports stars that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting so far in our good news segment. And Caitlin Clark is numero uno when it comes to good news over the past few months. One of the highest possible honors for female athletes in the country has been added to the collection of Caitlin Clark. The Iowa Hawkeyes junior guard won the 2023 Honda Cup Award and was named the Collegiate Woman Athlete of the Year on Monday night. Clark was chosen by a vote of administrators from over 1,000 NCAA member schools across all 12 sanctioned sports in the country. Clark became the first player in Division I women's basketball history to record more than 1,000 points and 300 assists in the same season this past winter and was the fastest Division I player, men's or women's, to reach 1,500 career points over the last 20 seasons. So that Honda Cup Award is for all athletes. So it's not strictly a basketball award. It's for all sports. And Caitlin Clark is the best female athlete, and she's only a junior. She'll be back again next year. Incredible. Incredible. What I'm interested in is so, okay, she's had all this success. She has all these skills. She has all this determination, all this hard work, all this inspiration for all kinds of people. Now, sooner or later, she's going to be out of basketball. I want to know how, if and how, she's going to turn that talent, that energy, that brilliance to making the world a better place. Yeah. I mean, she's clearly doing it, 
but you can't always do it through sport. I guess you can, you know, some people can and have. But it's going to be interesting to see where she goes. Well, yeah, even as a college athlete, I would imagine that you, I mean, Caitlin Clark has to be one of the most recognizable female athletes in the country. She may not be the level of like the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, but I can't really think of any other female athletes. Maybe a few soccer players, Megan Rapinoe. I mean, there's a few that would be around her stardom or even surpass it, but she's right up there. So what she says is going to reach a lot of people. Well, and it's like Rapino, you know, her social justice work, yeah. I think, is really of note. Right. And Sue Bird, who is yes. her spouse, um, have done a lot of work yeah. together to enhance women's sports and shine a light on a lot of the issues, whether it's not getting fair pay, bad working conditions, and not just for athletes, but for women in general. And yeah, it'll be fun to watch her career continue to blossom. And obviously the WNBA would be next, and she could possibly even play two more years of college basketball because she was in school during COVID. So she has that extra year of eligibility. And she has said that she, it's not a foregone conclusion that after her fourth year, which would be after next year, that she would go on to the WNBA. She may stick around for a fifth year in Iowa City, which would be fantastic for us. Yeah, we'd like that. But, you know, the, I guess the national championship, bringing that home, that would be great. Yeah, and it's going to be a different team next year. She, Monica Zanano and Kate Martin, she's losing a lot of very good teammates, but her success has also helped in recruiting, and a lot of players want to play with Caitlin Clark, so you would imagine that the Hawkeyes would be pretty darn good the next two years alongside Caitlin Clark. Also, speaking of basketball, Chris Murray twin brother of Keegan Murray, will join his brother as an NBA player next season. Chris was drafted with the 23rd pick in the first round by the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> you got Words nothing. fail me. I got nothing. <clears throat> it's just, just cool. I mean, it's cool. First round pick. Iowa didn't have any first round picks since I think 2001 may have been. I think Ricky Davis, who was one of my top five Iowa athletes, might have been the last guy to be picked in the first round of the NBA draft before Keegan and now two years in a row. And not only are they Iowa Hawkeyes, but they're also Cedar Rapids Prairie Hawks. The Gazette had a pretty good article talking with some of their former teammates and coaches, and they played with some really good athletes. Some some other guys went on to Division One in basketball or football or baseball, so... That senior class at Prairie, I think they graduated in 2017, maybe, 2016, 2017, was full of excellent athletes. So it's cool that Cedar Rapids School has two NBA players. Well, and so what do we know about the coach that helped put this together? Is it the same the high coach? School, the yeah. high school coach? Um, I don't know much about him. But, I mean, he seems like he should get some credit, too. Yeah. yeah and we don't know anything about him. Right. Well, I don't know anything about any of it, but I just, <laughs> yeah, I I'm just saying to have that kind of talent doesn't come. I mean, obviously they're talented, but they have to have been well coached. Oh, yeah. Cedar Rapids Prairie is it's a big school. They've got a lot of athletic success. That's actually where my nephews go to school is the Cedar Rapids Prairie School District. It's the college community school district because they're out by Kirkwood. But 
they're good in everything. Right now, their baseball team is ranked second in the state. They're like 27-3, and three, and I think they went to the state finals last year. They won state in baseball several years back. In fact, it might have even been when Keegan and Chris were in school at that point. But certainly a lot of good coaches and teachers in the Cedar Rapids-Prairie District. Last bit of good news for today. A tween girl went viral lately after a TikTok of her being excited to see the Doobie Brothers featuring Michael McDonald at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines. She got a bunch of autographs, including Michael McDonald's, and got to shake his hand. Have you seen that video at all? No. It was a surprise. So the dad is taking a TikTok, or taking a video at least. So they're pulling out of the driveway, and he's like, guess what we're going to do? She's putting on her seatbelt, and she's like, what? We're going to go see the Doobie Brothers. Her eyes get real big. And Michael McDonald, too? And he's like, yeah, Michael McDonald's going to be there. So it's not often that you see a, I mean, she was, you know, tween, so roughly 12, 13, 14 years old. It's not often you see somebody at that age being a Michael McDonald fan. No, that Although was, Michael McDonald is awesome. Yeah, he is. Yeah, the Doobie Brothers was, you know, the big band when I was in college. That was my dad's, to this day, really one of his favorite bands of all time. Yeah, he's probably great. seen them live a dozen times. And then when Michael McDonald split off and did his own yeah. thing, I bought those albums too. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, I just thought that was cool that some good viral news from the state of Iowa, not something that typically has happened over the past year or two. Are we ready for my top five? Sure. All right, let's get to it. Spencer's top five Denzel Washington movies. So we're going to start with OLI, Outside Looking In. I wrote pretty much all of them, but especially the Book of Eli. I didn't make my top five, but I had to mention specifically the Book of Eli because the first time I saw it, I've seen it several times, but the first time I saw it, one of the best movies I've ever seen. So, all right, let's get into the top five. Number five is The Bone Collector. Fantastic. Love that movie. And Ashley Judd, especially back then, was like my number one Hollywood crush. So Denzel and Ashley Judd together is blockbuster yeah and he's lying there in bed yeah he's paralyzed yeah. and basically she's his gopher you know her but life. i mean so think about the thought process about, about an action star like him yeah. wanting to take on a role where he's paralyzed right and stuck in a bed the entire movie yeah so i mean you know that would come if i were an action star that would come to me well that doesn't display my talents i would I, no, I'm not going to go, you know, be strapped in a bed. Right. But he did it just to show his growth and his range. Right. Number four is Remember the Titans. That was good. Yeah, plays the football coach and integration of the schools. And I think it was Virginia, which is where that movie is based. But excellent movie. And it came out literally when I was a senior in high school, like during the football season. So we watched it probably five times that season alone to get ready for games and all that sort of stuff. So remember the Titans is number four. Number three, I think one of his most underrated, if not his most underrated movie, Unstoppable. I love that movie. Chris Pine, it's about a train that is unstoppable. They can't get it to stop, and it's just hard. Uh, Ridley Scott, Tony Scott. Ridley Scott's brother, Tony Scott, was the director of that movie, and Tony is... Not as well-renowned, probably, as Ridley Scott. Ridley won a Best Director Oscar for The Gladiator, I think. And Tony Scott never really had that critical acclaim, but he did a whole bunch of really good just action movies. I think Tony Scott actually did Top Gun. I think he did the original Top Gun. So 
and yeah, several different movies. He did also did Taking a Pelham One Two Three, which didn't make this list, but is another Denzel Washington movie. Uh, number two is Training Day. That was good. Excellent. Well, that's the movie that Denzel won his best male lead performance Oscar for. Yeah, and that was a complex. Yes. A role. Yeah. Lots of emotion. Lots of bad guy vibes. That's the thing. Who would have ever thought that you would root against Denzel Washington that bad? Where by the end, you just cannot wait for him to die. <laughs> well, and that's another, you know, situation where he shows his range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing, uh, oh, what's his name? He's the guy, he, his co-star in Training Day. Do you remember his name? Yeah, I'm seeing his face. but Same. And I don't know why I can't remember it. Um, by the way, while we're, forge- while we're forgetting things, I do want to mention a couple things for listener feedback. Bob Shrek let us know on our Substack page that Thailand was the country that was escaping us last week when we were trying to think about the boys in the cave. We were talking oh, about the yeah. submarine and Elon Musk and all that sort of stuff. Thailand is where that, and he mentioned that there's a good book and actually a movie that's come out about that situation too. Another bit of listener feedback while we're here, Nathan Sage also said he wants to hear you do more Perry Como impressions. That was a mistake. <laughs> I was hoping you'd do a Michael McDonald impression. Will you sing a little Michael McDonald no, for us? No, no. No, that was a mistake. I, you know, no, that was a mistake. Perry Como. But we have <laughs> listeners that I thought might not know who Perry Como was. So I just had to somehow get across the absolute how boring, boring. How boring it is. Yeah. By the way, boring. that little filibuster helped me remember Ethan Hawke is the guy's name. Oh, yeah, he was good. And I saw something where this was when the movie came out and he was doing press for it. And basically he went into the movie knowing, he said that, if I do my job, he's going. Denzel is going to win the Oscar. And he said this before he won any award. So it's not like he went back and said, oh, yeah, I knew that he was going to win it. Like, even when he was promoting the movie, he said, Denzel is amazing. And I knew that if I just did my job, that he would win. And he was absolutely right. So that that brings us to number one. No more filibusting. Number one, American Gangster. Very good. Very good. And again, playing a bad guy. Not as bad as Training Day, maybe. Although, in some ways, probably worse. Not as hateable of a character, though. Because he does some good, but... You're not rooting against him the whole time, necessarily. Yeah, this reminds me of, oh, years ago, I forget the actors, but one who, oh, Bruce Dern was one, who always was a bad guy, and I forget who the other guy was, a cowboy movie, the other guy was always the good guy, and so you're going through this movie, and you're thinking, oh, this is the good guy, this is the good guy, and all of a sudden you realize you've been... Yeah. cheering the wrong way right. and then I don't know that was sort of an interesting thing another interesting thing about Denzel is I used to watch him on St. Elsewhere yeah my mom loved that show but I yeah the show was good but I thought he was a stiff and when I heard he was going to be like a leading man action hero I thought well that's going to be that's gonna, <laughs> he's going to be like the Perry Como action hero because he really didn't have or the, his, the role in St. Elsewhere didn't let him show any range yeah just sort of a vanilla, I'm guessing he yeah. played a doctor yeah. or something yeah. of that ilk, doctor, nurse. Just uninteresting, yeah. Yeah. But so, blew myself. So, who, yeah, who would have ever known? Well, he would me, maybe the other people had different impressions. Biggest but. movie star of his generation, probably. 
So yeah, there's your top five. Next week is top five U.S. presidents. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see whether uh, you agree or not. Hopefully you disagree at least on a couple. But it's, it's, we'll it's so subjective. Also wanted to mention before we uh, cap this off that rural broadband is going to get a boost in the state of Iowa and across the country because of the American Rescue Plan Act funds. I've seen a lot of Republican U.S. Ashley Henson. I don't know if Marionette Miller-Meeks has posted anything about it yet, but... They voted, did. they voted against. Yeah, Feenstra. I was oh, well, yeah, Miller Meeks voted against it. Yeah, I've seen her here. I just, in the I just don't know if she's actually posted on Facebook or Twitter, like, "Hey, look at what I've done for the state of Iowa." When you voted against it, well, I've seen her in person say things like she got credit for it. Right, but no, yeah. they take credit all the time. Four four hundred and fifteen million dollars, I think the state of Iowa gets, and I think a total of like forty eight billion across the country. So, yep. Thank Joe Biden. Thank Joe Biden. Chuck Grassley, too. Chuck Grassley actually did vote for yeah, thank Chuck Grassley. that bill. So, yeah. See, we're fair. We'll give yep. credit where credit's due. Dr. Bob, it's good to see you as always, and we'll see you again next week. Yep. Looking forward to it.